good replacement for Lady Dimitrescu, I'm sure. Oromar stalking some hallways, people still doing incredibly horny fan art about it. It tracks. I think I think Oromar can do most things, and there will be some horny fan art <laughs> that surfaces. Hmm. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Also, I want to point out to Liz and Tyler, you are also rolling defense right now Mm because the cutting stone are attacking you as well. Yes. But yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to spend a point of finesse. Sorry, that's a whole bunch of mechanic stuff. I want to make sure I understood. Uh, Spending a point of finesse to upgrade my D6 to a D8. Great. I have a fate. I have a couple fates. Okay. You can spend those to upgrade. Um, if you me. like, and that'll if you just spend one one fate, we'll turn it into a d8. And if you send spend a second one, uh, you'll get two d8s out All of the right. deal. I will roll. That's a six. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, I rolled a one. Oh, oh. Uh, I rolled a seven. All right. Hey. Hey, in this game, one might be good. You know. Yeah. Know. That was a- <laughs> I still don't I- fully. <laughs> <laughs> I've got good news and bad news for oh. everybody. Everybody managed to, on their rolls, get at least one success. And because uh, the the uh, cutting stone only managed to roll one success against you, uh, the, you, you are not struck by them. Right. However, the success they rolled was attached to a disaster for you. Oh. Um, uh, so, and disasters are bad? They're quite bad. They're quite, quite bad. So you are not hit. However, you are drawn into a situation that is worse than being hit. Um, (laughs) What I think you notice like uh, uh, around you, um, at least... I think everybody here has access to some kind of site that allows you to actually see the cutting stones. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see the sickly gray light coming from their lanterns as they turn uh, towards you. um, And you can see the cloaked figures uh, as they move towards you, gliding over the landscape. Um, And they lunge towards each of you. Um, and all of you are practiced heroes who managed by different means to move out of the way of their weapons. Uh, as their weapons draw close to you, any kind of emotion that is in your heart that, that has to do with sorrow, guilt, regret, pain, uh, starts to rise towards the surface and become harder and harder to ignore. Um, you still manage to move out of the way, but now, now you are faced with these creatures. Um, and you notice the ground beneath your feet, the quality of it starts to change. 
Part of this change is welcome, in a way, in that the ground was sodden, marshy, wet grass. Hard to maneuver on, certainly. Uh, the sort of ground that, that sucks you in, not the kind of ground you want to fight on at all. But the ground beneath your feet, I think, is familiar at this point only to Oromar. It is the blank, featureless, I want to say, half-inch deep waters of the river. The water that the cutting stone pours across the land when they enter our plain. I think the lights of the outside world start to dim. They haven't quite caught you in the bubble of, of emptiness that they managed to catch Dreth and Travis on all that time ago back in Neath, when Tiberius summoned forth the cutting stone for the first time on this podcast. But you are being drawn there. And it is hard to take flight away from there. You are going to need to fight your way through these opponents if you are to escape towards the sky, or at least you are going to need help being pulled there. Oromar, you can tell, being uplifted by uh, the weave, you do have more maneuverability here. You are less likely to be sunken in than your comrades, uh, but they've caught you in a snare of a sort, and it will take effort to pull away. Mm. Okay. Uh, I would love to use one of my abilities, please. Um, I have an ability called Sever the Soul. It spends an entire bar of magic, so four points. Uh, operate within the body, uh, pushing it outside, pushing it beyond its physical limits. We've seen Aramar do this uh, previously when they were just a soul within the body and they could kind of overclock how the body operated because it didn't feel any pain. And uh, I think Aramar in this circumstance doesn't quite know. They, they, they had a moment where they were walking through the ship, I think, and they walked on o- autopilot for a bit as they went introspective. And I think it's pulling on that again to just leave the body to fight as it must on on ferocity and instinct uh, and no longer thinking about the pain, the spiritual pain of the fire. Actually, because it's spiritual pain, Ormar probably still feels that and is very disappointed by that fact, um, but does not feel... Uh, the strain of the muscles in his body being pushed beyond sensible realms. Yeah. I, I think we, uh, as we, he starts to cut things down. We probably see Oromar recede into the mind palace. You know, this mm. creates a distance between Oromar's mind and soul and his body. Um, so once again, it is though he is observing the world outside his body through windows um, uh, rather than fully experiencing it, which does have its benefits. This is a place where Oromar does not feel physical pain. However, we can see, thanks to the fire that he had Gable light, his soul right now 
is consumed in that flame. Like we can see the arm within his mind palace is alight with fire and that pain Mm. is with him still. But the unnatural strength that Oromar possessed in death is his once more. Nathan, what do you do with that power? I think, first things first, the soul orb that I picture Oromar as when not in the body pushes physically forward and is... To, uh, to Jonah and Gable's eyes, sitting halfway out of Oromar's chest. Ah! Uh, Jonah trying- says, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to act as, because, you know, the cutting stone exists to uh, remove, uh, move and remove uh, souls where they are, do not belong. And this soul is straying outside of its host body and that will not do as a way to kind of pull aggro, as it were. Um, the to to kind of uh, even though there is obviously a directive that the cutting stone has been given to try and draw the attention of the cutting stone to mm. Oromar while he is in this heightened fighting state. Oh, I like that. Okay, ah! are you taking any action? Mm. I think this is under current circumstances will be reprisal actions, waiting for the cutting stone to come in and then bapping them as they get close. Okay, okay. Um, well, I, I think then that will happen right now as mm-hmm. uh, the Cutting Stone start to press their attack uh, uh, against your group. Having succeeded in, like, they they missed you, so it appeared to be stabs and slashes at you, but they actually st- sunk their weapons into the soil and slowly pouring across the soil has been this dark and and almost like like water that has been stained with black ink uh, that pours across the land, dims the lights of the world around you and draws you into the cold and depressing place where the cutting stone reside, their corner of the river. Once they have begun to spring that trap, they move towards you. And I think they actually start advancing towards Gable. So, Oromar, this is where you find your moment to strike back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Boyd uh, by the uh, the featherweave like, coat, lighter than air, kind of like the image of somebody moving across the surface of water and leaving slight ripples in its wake as he moves across the space. Just haymakers, <laughs> the first cutting stone that moves within range of Gable, just off side of frame, a, a fist wreathed in soul flame, I guess, punching what would be or maybe was never a jaw clean off this thing. Yes. All right, uh, roll your attack. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to tell me how to do that, please. Is it, is it, I'd love to make that a finesse roll because of being dainty and graceful. <laughs> Oh sure, sure. I, I I forget. So this what you did magically. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was to give power to your physical body. Is it instead uh, uh, 
separating your soul from your body. I, I mean, I, I would lo- I would love to play in both that kind of narrative and mechanical space here, where yes, we are super power- we are f- pushing the body beyond its limits. This is a a move and a punch that the body would not be able to do in this mired water sensibly. Um, uh, okay, well, the 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 reason that I asked that question is because mm-hmm. you could probably also use prowess because I imagine that that ability would be granting you some kind of bonus to your prowess. We we probably sure okay up. or, uh, yeah, or yeah, your finesse. Can... If you want it to be finesse too, it can definitely be finesse. Uh, just yeah, roll I, I just, from I just, whichever I just have stat. More dice and finesse, but yeah. uh... <laughs> do do it. Do it. what 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 I'm saying is you. The whatever bonus you got from prowess would probably also be add uh, dice to your prowess. Um, sure, that makes so sense. It might be worth um, checking on if I, I don't know if we wrote down for that ability what that we bonus we didn't is. narrow it down to that level of specificity. So this okay. is something we can decide now or later. Well, let's do it the later. Roll from your finesse because we know sure. what that is. I'm going to yeah. roll two d8 and punch this thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a seven and a six. Seven and a six. Uh, Hey, that is three successes overall, which uh, cancels down to be two successes, and you get a fate point for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, please describe your success and what damage are you going to be working with? here mm-hmm. um as as we, while you're thinking that through i think we just we see the follow through there is a solid hit stop on the impact of yeah. this ghost it feels like it's just punching at air and almost like the punch would go through this figure but it stops in in whatever form for a moment it's made comp- corporeal on this point of impact and gable just sees this outline of a figure go rocketing off into the middle distance yeah. oh, you get you see like the the rain kind of like sprit like spraying out as like this invisible body just like shoots through the Goes air sideways <laughs> yeah. yeah i love that <laughs> leave um, yeah, I think I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna make that six points of damage. Uh, uh, Sounds good. The, like, cause, cause this Out is being dealt. How much damage? Well, much so damage this is being have? dealt to uh, the cutting stone as a group. Okay, as but a swarm. Uh, so how each much? individual member. Um, Why well, don't? Uh, do you have a number? You know what? It's actually probably got to be significantly less now because I think the Rusalka has done mm, um, debuffing quite a bit. And yeah, uh, how much is that number? <laughs> um, well, they're just down to fifty-seven now. <laughs> oh um, no! From what they used to be, but an important thing to keep in mind uh, here as that, uh, like, cutting stone. I, I, I think. What happens? We see the fist impact this being. And the thing that Gable can see, like, with uh, their angelic eyes, like, kind of fanning out around them, too, as as they're in this space, uh, you are seeing the form ripple and contort as the parts of the stripped down angel that have enmeshed with the soul of a mortal being like separate from each other briefly like that's how hard this hits 
Um, mm. And it sends them like skittering across these dark waters. Like you can see the bare light reflections against the uh, gray lanterns carried by the cutting stones uh, reflect across those ripples of water as it is like banished from this place. You, you literally hit them so hard. The cutting stone <laughs> can't even exist in this place anymore. There is not enough stability within this creature's form. Um, and I want to keep let, let everybody know that the damage that is dealt to the cutting stone aboard the Uhuru and whatnot, that all counts towards this collective vitality pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, but yeah, uh, so that has interrupted the action that the cutting stone were going to take. Uh, Jonnet, it's now your turn. Um, I think at this and seeing uh, n- the captain knock one of the cutting stones blocks clean off. Um, I think Janet's uh, attention goes to this water that has is seeping around their feet. And I think he's going to do a bit of a, he's going to do a magic move to try and like create like a little bit of like a moat around them to drain the, the inky water uh, like Ooh. off of their feet um, and so mm-hmm. there's like going to be like a little bit of a wind up, a little bit of like a like he like draws like half of a circle like uh, over the like a wide circle over the ground. And in a perfect world that would continue on to surround the the party uh, and then like that would the the water that is inside drains into that moat. That's really, really cool. Um, I think what this is going to be is a bedeviling high stakes challenge, um, uh, which is, I'm going to, Tyler, be honest with you, hard to overcome. However, if you manage to do it, it will it will have a very strong effect. Dope. Um, so... Uh, prepare for that challenge how you how you would, uh, but like you are rolling against three d twelves. Okay, and then uh, and then normally it'd be a d eight or yeah d eight, and then I've got three of those. I well, for magic have. you have four. Or it looks like you have three d eights for magic. Mm-hmm. Um, dope, dope. And then I don't think I have anything in the way of like a any add on boons or fates. Um, so there, we're going to do it that way. Well, you can also spend from your magic to upgrade things like that's, thank you. All right. Well then I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a, I guess a four, four ticks in this, in my magic. Okay. Four. So what that's going to do, that will take your, uh, D 8s up to D 12s and add an additional D six. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty significant. Eight. Roll uh three d twelves and one d six, and tell me what you get. Great! Wow. Okay, two of those d twelves are threes. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's good. Uh, one of the d twelves is a two, and then we okay. and then the d six is a three. You are successful, and let's see, the d six is a three. Wow, you are really successful. Uh, Mm. You have three overall successes there. There are a bunch of complications that are going to come with this. But let's start 
with the success. So I want I want you to describe like Jonnet how how is Jonnet doing this magic? What what does that look like? Yeah, I think so Cutting Stone goes flying like it's like, yeah, that's 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 what's up, Captain. And then <laughs> but then like he is very quickly uh keyed into like how wet his feet are and like he looks down and then probably has like a moment of like trying to raise one foot to get the the ink off and it's not working he's like looking around it's like we're we're kind of surrounded by this ink and so yeah in in earth magic uh form he's going to just like again kind of make a swiping arc motion maybe drop down to one knee for the sake of levels and uh carves out like a small line that is like the width of his finger, but he makes this swipe. Uh, he kind of like lets his hand hang in the air for a tiny little bit. And the, the arc or the, the divot in the ground continues to like encase uh, Gable and the captain and then comes back right back around to meet the beginning of it in front of Jonnet. And then like, I think there's like a, maybe a moment of like, <laughs> I mean, this is very tough, but like he then like <laughs> pushes his hands down and like the divot like gets a little bit deeper. And then like you can start to see that the ink in this like in the middle where our three heroes are kind of like dissipates a tiny little bit as yeah. the the ink in the moat uh, sort of like lifts up and then he turns to everybody is like I don't know if I can make this this thing bigger so if you can maybe stay in this circle I think what is happening here Jonnet is in this unfamiliar place and like his brain is trying to understand the things that his eye is telling him but Jonnet is like a being of the physical and material world. And so he carries certain instincts uh, and whatnot with him wherever he goes. Normally, when people are cast into the realm of the cutting stone, they quickly become overwhelmed by the reality of this place, by being in a place that is death. It connects them with all of these sunken feelings and emotions. Uh, but behind that, Jonnet has his eye and this central belief of who he is, which carries over to where he is. So even in this place of death, even in this place of sunken feeling, Jonnet feels the bones of sphere beneath his feet. And he knows that these are things that move at his command and his touch. So he lowers himself and he draws whatever solidness exists beneath the waters of the river in the realm of the cutting stone down, which draws the waters themselves down. And slowly, at Jonnet's feet and at the feet of his companions, the water draws back and color moves back into the world. Sphere is drawn up through the sunkenness that was created by the cutting stone. And this moat now exists between you and them, where their power cannot hold you down. 
In fact, Oromar, perceiving from his mind palace, from this place withdrawn from his body, you can feel how the body once again is drawn up into the air, lifted somewhat away from the cutting stone. Mm. Jonnet, through his command of sphere, has banished this power that the cutting stone holds. Without even knowing that's what he was going to do, he has done it. However, these powers tearing at each other, Jonnet's firm control over the world, over the bones of Sphere, clashes with the power of the river, the power commanded by these fragmented beings that are the cutting stone. And whatever words were delivered to them, whatever commands they have been issued to carry out, and the world starts to swirl. The wind around you whips and turns. The rain falls harder as the storm picks up. It lashes back and forth, no longer moving with a clear direction, which makes the storm all the more dangerous to navigate. Um, so we had Gable go, we had Oromar go, we had Jonnet go. Let's cut back over to the Uhuru as the storm has picked up. What are we doing to get that furnace burning? What are we doing to get this ship in the air as the sails whip in the winds, the envelope along with them, and the head freak creaks as there is so much power uh, battering itself against the sides of the ship? I was going to be like, what's Bowser doing? I want to know. <laughs> uh, um, I think Bowser's done about as much as he can do at the helm. Like, it, until we're up in the air, there's only so much prep you can do. So I think he's just mm. making his way back down to the P and maybe using just brute strength to help feed the furnaces. I don't know if we want Bowser to be able to breathe fire in this reality. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> what I could give is Bowser doing like kind of traditional fire breathing, like having some sort of, of mixture that, that he like can spit out and uh, uh, use to, to light up flames, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Bowser runs up to Carlos, seeing that Carlos has been injured a bit and uh, is a little bit off kilter and asks, <laughs> and then we'll take a just a, a little mouth wash thing that they uh that Bowser mouthwash <laughs> like I, I a, mean, a mouthwash bottle the size yeah, of a bottle i'm down for it <laughs> i like the idea of bowser just like coming from a culture where like fire breathing is more common so it's like this yeah. is a specialty mixture that yes also helps you address germs halitosis. that cause plaque and gingivitis <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. and ultimately battles against halitosis. <laughs> but you can use it to create fire as well. Bowser was brought on <laughs> as in more of a dentistry soul sort of role. <laughs> and <then laughs> that is oh how God. we got to this point. <laughs> that point. visual. And so they gra grabbing with, with his mouth, pulling it out and taking a, a big swig just begins to spit upon the furnace. <laughs> With, with a uh, with great fervor. That is the exact kind of uh, uh, mad science that Carlos is absolutely into. He was there. Uh, Carlos previously was a brewer. Remember? Yes. So they're they're kind of like ah, yes. 
cast this? your flames into the furnace. <laughs> Please make your roll. You are you've got one d eight committing Bowser to this action, unless you are over committing, in which case it would be one d eight and one d six. I think this is fine. Oh, that's an eight. Hmm. An eight. All right. Ooh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is is higher good? I don't know. I no, so, so so it's not necessarily uh, so straightforward as higher good because like these. These are just mapping onto symbols. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, uh, what this is getting is an opportunity and a knowledge. Um, however, you are under threat in this circumstance. It's a high stakes roll. Uh, I rolled two failures on that, which does mean two rolls on the Uhuru death chart. Um, oh, no. So we're, <laughs> we're going to see. <laughs> How do you spit so bad? Well, uh, first of all, the first roll is 82, so you you get away fine. Um, and it's not that you – rolls in the death chart aren't necessarily tied to the NPC doing something bad or wrong, right? They're not player characters. It's just mm. they're in dangerous situations, and they're not the heroes of this story. So, and the other one is 78. So, uh, thanks to some lucky rolls, uh, you are not hurt. Um, Mm. uh, You do get an opportunity and another point of fate goes towards the crew here. Um, I'm going to point out that you do have three points of fate now, uh, uh, just sitting around waiting Mm -hmm. to be used. Um, The opportunity is, I think it is, this has made uh, the conditions in the furnace uh, easier to light that furnace. This is almost like pouring lighter fluid on a fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, that does not make the fire like burn on its own. It is an impressive display. It makes it easier for kindling to catch, but it doesn't necessarily actually build the fire. It just positions the fire to be built. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't advance the fire track. However, the next person who does something to stoke the furnace is going to be rolling with an advantage. Great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who's next? Is the the peat that we have basically at the foot of the Uhuru, is that enough to get us out of the the woods, as it were? Or, like, do men and granny need to, like, get to Ormar, Gable, Jonnet to get, like, that deposit of peat? So... What uh, so Oromar, Jonnet, and Gable are not near a peat deposit. All oh, of I'm the sorry. peat has been arranged in front of the ship to be loaded, mm-hmm. but not all of it cool. has loaded. What's going to okay. happen is based on what you can get in here, that's going to determine how difficult it is to maneuver the Uhuru to its next safe port and where you are going to be able to land next. So you want to get as much as possible. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. As your GM, I will tell you that. Yeah. I think the 
Yeah, if it's cool, we'll, we'll jump over to Min and Granny, and mm. I think they land with Flea, and is, I feel like maybe we have just like the wheelbarrow, like, does physics work in which we could like, the the saddle would go, Min, behind Min is Granny, and then behind them both is like the the wheelbarrow, like strapped to the back of Flea, yeah. or is yeah, great. Well, then they land and Granny in like a very commanding voice that we have not heard from her. And honestly, she hasn't heard from herself in at least 20 odd years, like bellows out, children, cease the assembly line, assemble here. <laughs> and and to like try and get the children to like stop working the peat up. And to instead, like, surround the amount that we do have and try and get that onto Flea's back. Mm. Okay, okay. So so basically, you're, you're hitching up any pallets of peat that you can to Flea mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. Flea can pull them into the ship. Yes. Uh, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, so with Min and Granny soft spot committed to this uh, base, you are going to be rolling... Uh, one white uh, D8 and one white D6. Um, you do have three fate that you can use to upgrade those before you take your roll. How, what are you going to do? It feels worth upgrading. Yeah, I, I will take a fate. Okay. One fate spent. So this is going to be two D8s that you're rolling. And roll it. All right. So that's going to be uh, a three and a six. Mm-hmm. Okay, three and a six. Excellent. Okay, that is once again a on the cusp. So I am going to need to uh, oh. pull luminary to see if it succeeds and how it succeeds. Mm. The audience, the most exciting and dramatic thing possible to happen is what happens. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, I am going to let you describe that. All right. I mean, we see a and like we see like medium shots of like these the Uhuru crew like and a bunch of kids like like mid assembly line. uh, They stop as they hear this like this familiar but also like uncharacteristically commanding voice. They look over and they see men uh like committed but also like very eh. and then uh and then behind men uh granny granny is standing on flea's back she is a she's a small woman and like she's mostly like scarf and like flowing <laughs> flowing accoutrement um, and it is just yes <laughs> and it is very much like catching the wind there is a perfectly timed lightning strike off to the side we get like very cool dramatic lighting she looks 10 years younger and everyone's like yeah and there is a sea of like we then cut to like a top-down overhead shot and we see like a wave of uhuru crew just like rush towards flea and like these deposits of peat they the the folks that have peat in buckets they just like chuck the buckets up there and they arc perfectly and just land in the the wheelbarrow and like 
Flea like leans down uh, to like make it easier and everybody is is just like throwing the peat up at one point like somebody overshoots the peat and then like a <laughs> the 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 handle arm of the cane reaches out like scoops it out of the air and like throws it in the the back of the wheelbarrow um and everybody's just like working in sync yeah i i think we can see like crew members like wendell and and spit like uh tying down the the pallets uh uh to uh flea's uh like train like behind the wheelbarrow yeah. so that when flea starts to move forward it will pull a significant portion of uh this this peat onto the ship a lot of drone um, shots like weaving in between and yeah. <laughs> going up and down <laughs> and now because of the rolling the audience the most dramatic thing uh possible mm-hmm. happening happening i am also going to roll on the uhuru death chart um, at the same no. time, yeah, to do that. because you succeeded, but you didn't fully succeed. We pulled the luminary, and the luminary mm. said the most dramatic thing possible mm. is That's what's necessary. happening. So, it, amidst this success, the crew is also under threat. I roll on the Uhuru death chart, and I pull a seventy-seven, which does not hit any member of the crew committed to this action or not okay. committed to this action. So, mm. you are all safe for the time being. With that, uh, we have one more PC control for the Uhuru crew. Yeah, uh, so- I, I think Min is doing what she needs to do right now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go pick. Uh, it was Nodos who we saw in the stable who was very excited to go be involved in some combat, yeah. right? That's yeah, right. that's correct. Mm-hmm. I think Nodos, uh, having not taking up the call, uh, to go assist with loading onto Flea because the children are handling that. But I think he sees a shift in the rain as just waves of cutting stone are trying to move across the land uh, to approach um, to approach the uh, Flea and the kids, and just and he sees it first and uh, has a moment of oh no you don't and uh, launches from the ship towards the cutting stone eyes aflame. Uh, like, he, there's there's just a By his like, lonesome! What? Cr- crack <laughs> of the here. reins. This mm. is the thing that, this was arranged mm-hmm. between Gable and Nodos beforehand. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's sure. a quick, like, uh, crack of the reins. Nodos grabs, like, like, the saddle, and Metatron launches forward through the rain. Like, immediately, I think both Metatron and Nodos feel the strength of the wind as they take into the air. Mm. Uh, these are bad flying conditions that are only getting worse. But Metatron and Nodos both are extremely loyal to Gable and would not leave them under threat. So they push through the rain and move through the air, getting towards the captain's council. And what they see in front of them is like a strange and horrifying sight. There is this ring of void around Gable and the captain and Jonnet, like just a place where they cannot see, 
Um, mm. If you've ever seen a photo of something that has been painted with Vanta black, it looks like mm. that. It is just this uncanny place where light falls away uh, and your eyes can't process what you are seeing. But there is this ring, this ring around these three who are looking like they are facing off against opponents that that Nodos also cannot see. Um, but he, you know, readies his spear and uh, he, you know, prepares himself to join the fight uh, and, and save who he can. Um, Nathan, what are you going to roll to try and do? I think this is... You know, we, we we don't know how many of the cutting stone there are, but feeling like being the biggest problem is uh, what Nodos is out today. Now Nodos is out to bust some heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, this is the first kind of like target that makes itself known, or the first group. I think we're going to get a swooping across with like talons and maybe spear to see and kind of drag it through silhouettes to see how many we can get. I am going to establish now, I think Metatron is capable of seeing the cutting stone. Not only do do raptors have uh, superior eyesight to human beings, mm-hmm. but it's also that thing of animals being able to sense supernatural threats uh, mm. better than people. So I think uh, Metatron and Nodos are acting in concert here. Nathan, you're going to be rolling with 1d8 and 1d6, unless you would like to spend a point of fate. I would love to spend another point of fate to push that to 2d8. 2d8, it is. All right. Uh, We have a 6 and an 8. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you succeed... You succeed with no complications whatsoever, which is, uh, although you're not aware of it, extremely lucky right now. You also restore that point of fate. And let's see. Now I have to, damage is the thing that I have to figure out here. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say this is another six damage because we've got Nodos and Metatron uh, working together. And This is almost a reflection of the scenes that we saw back during the bachelor party for Wendell when we had this group of hardened pirates hunting leviathans together. Mm. There is a lot of trust that happens between uh, raptor and rider. The griffin soars, dives, catches prey and Nodos like basically just stabs his spear down, trusting that there is something within the clutches of the griffin. So even though he cannot see what he is stabbing at, uh, he he like throws the spear in the air and like can feel that it landed solid purchase um, as another member of the cutting stone. Uh, the captain's council can see is like ripped from the ground, ripped from even this gap in dimension uh, and pulled up by Metatron and stabbed by Nodos. Mm. And I am going to remove yet more hit points from their collective pool. Now we are back to the Captain's Council. And I will say anybody can forego their character's turn to to do actions for NPCs if they Mm -hmm. want. But yeah. 
you are surrounded by cutting stone and Nodos has just like swooped in from the air to give you some support. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify the state of play regards, regarding the void orb, uh, <laughs> leaving My the orb. void orb is a bad thing for us. If you were to step forward into the area where the cutting stone is, that would be bad. It would be mm. – it's hard to navigate out of that space without fully defeating the cutting stone. However, mm. because you have this donut, the air above you is actually cool. <laughs> so you can move over it or, would, or be extracted would, by Metatron out I of it. I would love yeah. – I would love to like uh, grab Jonnet and Gable's hands – and just crouch down with all my might and spend a lot of prowess to just leap up and uh, start gliding or at least have uh, a slow, slow descent considering I'm uh, my featherweave coat is going. Oh yeah, I, I think you would cool. absolutely have a slow descent on this. There is no question to that whatsoever. It will be a considerable prowess roll to mm-hmm. get you high up into the air, but you have activated like your separation, so you do have the supernatural strength of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it has now become important for us to know how much is has been added onto your prowess as the result of that thing. Sure, um, uh, my prowess is normally four. So I don't know how much you would love to modify that by. So, I will so, be spending a bar of prowess behind this roll, though. Uh, the body is the, the hitting bar. its limit to do it. So, yeah, what I think happens, I, I think this adds two D8s to any of all of your prowess rolls for the remainder of the scene when you, when you activate this power. That, that okay. is what makes sense to me. Mm. So... You have uh, and and you have one d eight normally because you have a four in prowess. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that can be done to like Ormar does this like crouch, but like does like a countdown and like signals to us to like, hey, on three, pump your legs and just like add to this upward yes. force. <laughs> I <laughs> three think- jumps. <laughs> I think what you can do is you can spend from pools of your choice to aid Oromar in this okay, action. Okay, yeah. So instead oh, of spending yeah. my prowess stats right now, I'm currently rolling 3d8, 1d8 from having a prowess of four, and 2d8 from being in soul mode. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me, give me your, bu- give me your buffs. I'll got it. Give you a point of fate. Mm-hmm. All right. Giving me another d6. So- so that I know I think that would turn um one into a d12 one of you yeah into a d12 yeah gotcha is there a way that I can essentially use vault for someone else where it's like cuz it's the same mechanics where it's like you know you have the ground move suddenly and things oh, go yeah. flying mm. yeah 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 let me take a look at that ability here vault threshold a threshold ability okay if below um a certain number so you i I, i'm gonna say you aren't below that number in finesse yet uh it looks like you haven't spent any from from your finesse pool um so sort of you you sort (laughs) of uh uh could do that if you were in a position for that power to be activated right now which doesn't look like it is but you would be able to spend from finesse to juice oromar's role for sure all right well you got two tick marks coming at you okay all right so you're now rolling with three d12s 
Three D12s. Oh my gosh, I need to find more D12s. <laughs> Give me a second. Mm-hmm. This final re-roll, one of them. Uh, so that is an eight, a seven, and a ten. Eight, a seven, and a ten. Okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh my god. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's five successes overall. <laughs> mm. uh, really, really successful action. It also grants you a point of fate. But yeah, describe your describe this jump. What is it? What does it look like? Yeah, I think a, a hand extends towards Jonnet and it's clasped. A hand extends towards Gable and it's clasped. We all simultaneously look towards the sky as uh, Oromar crouches, and I think. Like the seams rip in like the thighs in his trousers as the muscles just kind of like bulge supernaturally as they then all simultaneously are pulled into the air. And we get like a huge like camera from an angle looking down shot of this island as we see the backs of the three of us close to the camera and this entire like spread of the island and chaos below us as we just hang there i love it that (laughs) is beautiful and dramatic and i love that it is also accompanied by a single complication Mm. which means the storm picks up even more furiously than it had before uh and it has in fact picked up to the point where it is no longer safe to fly normally. Um, Mm. Which means every roll for uh, Metatron and really anyone flying a bird in the air Mm. will also incur a roll on the Uhuru death chart. But you are lifted up and out of range of the reach of the cutting stone who are on the ground. Like... As you reach this point in the air, you are immediately buffeted by extreme winds. Uh, you can see the water around you swirling, uh, the clouds above you stretching down as a funnel is starting to form. This is not safe conditions like you can see Metatron struggling to fly, but mm. you are at least away from the cutting stones. We are now going to move to Rusalka, as you can see the river start to reach out towards this darkness and draw in the cutting stone towards herself. You can see that like she is pulling the river in and because like you are now looking above the river, which is a light with silver fire, Mm -hmm. you can see how the tendrils of the river are retracting And because you can perceive supernatural things, you are able to perceive the unnatural screams of the cutting stone as the dark tendrils, the inky tendrils of the river, grab at their limbs and pull them into the water. Rusalka, like, draws one cutting stone towards her as she is also enduring the flames of the river. This being is, like, being cooked by these fires that Rusalka holds. The fire and water creep up this creature's body to 
towards its hood, towards the blankness of its face and mouth, and the waters pour inside each orifice as Rusalka drowns it from the inside with this silver fire. You can see the rage and the despised hatred in her eyes as she chokes this being with supernatural flames. I think Gable, like, while we're airborne, just wants to embiggen the fire a little bit to give us a little bit more of an updraft. Mm. As much oh, as cool. And also, uh, more, more burning. <laughs> uh, so I think I'll do it, try and do another simple magic roll. Roll it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in a high stakes situation. You are against two high stakes dice, but uh, that's two yeah, twelve. that magic. The- so it's two d12s. Yeah. Yeah, mm. golly. Five, five, six, four. Okay. All right. Music's got And those feels. are on D8s? Yes. You are definitely uh, successful yes. uh, with with two successes. You also have two opportunities. Uh, would you like to describe for me what those opportunities are? Do you want to focus on the success for now? Uh, I think at least one of the opportunities is that it's not raining super hard so we can navigate a little oh, bit better break in the clouds yeah. sure uh yeah yeah i like the idea that the fury of the flames that you stir up below actually like causes like it complicates the weather patterns more but in actually in a way that calms down uh the winds that are swirling around you right now um like i think soon what the like heat and fire that is radiating off of this river is going to do is actually spur on this tornado because it's that heat meeting the cold uh, that is caused by the presence of the cutting stone and also the general fury of the storm around it. But it temporarily creates this eye for the storm that stabilizes it. And I think we're going to say for the next uh, two rounds, uh, Metatron does not have to worry about those roles in the Uhuru death chart. That feels like a very appropriate um, uh, opportunity. Uh, But tell me about your success and how the flames change. Uh, Nathan, tell me about like what the Featherweave coat kind of looks like or how it's keeping us up. Yeah, so it's... um... Uh, the feather weave that Jonnet a while ago unraveled into thread that has been embroidered into patterns across the coat, almost kind of like a circuit through it. It's a consistent line. Uh, and you can see it like glowing in the back of the, the coat as it's now heated up with, uh, the heat from Gable. Um, we haven't experimented with how much weight it can carry. Uh, but we do know that you know featherweed can lift quite a lot as long as it's hot enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this kind of happens al- almost simultaneously with the initial jump. It's like a big whoosh mm-hmm. up, and um, what it does, it gets us kind of level in a sort of seatbelts pulled up by the scruff of our collars sort of mm-hmm. way, uh, level with Nodos. So if we wanted to like grab onto him metatron we could i am going to say that nathan Mm -hmm. what is happening metaphysically the weight of your sin is scorching hot right Mm -hmm. now like in the way that this flame has picked up oromar is going through it 
probably struggling to think for the pain that he is experiencing. However, from the outside, the silver flames that were around him have died away and gold flames have replaced them. Oromar looks as though he has a halo behind him. His locks pick up from the the heat of the flames around him and they fan out the many gold and jewels that are in his hair mm. all catch the magnificent light as indeed he stops descending and merely hovers in the air struggling with the weight of Gable and Jonnet and of course his own impressive frame either side of him he is there is no danger that he is to be pulled down right now. Mm -hmm. He looks like a magnificent figure, even if inside he is screaming from the touch of the fire. I think <laughs> Nodo's actually, you know, having now encountered a human Oromar and human Oromar's expressions looks at this version of Oromar through the rain where the body is on autopilot and the face is uh, implacable once again and that's almost worse mm -hmm. you know uh, mm -hmm. we this is this is the 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 pirate that has come back from death to regain humanity and warmth and there is no warmth in that face despite how absurdly hot it is now suddenly up here yeah, I think Nodos, even from where he is, like can feel the touch of the the heat against his soul and the sins that he has committed in his life. Sovereign's blood. Hurry, Metatron, we must move. I think Metatron is also probably struggling with his own sins. Um, <laughs> Considering, yes. There is like... Looking back uh, to we, uh, baby we, bird. We, yeah, we cut back to like a a, a, a baby bird time when uh, Metatron was just being raised by Gable and Gable said, no, no, these treats are not for you. And Metatron, when he was not being observed, did did go out and eat like one of the treats. Like maybe it was just a steak that Gable had gotten for, for dinner sins. for themselves. And mm -hmm. yeah, bird just sin. just gulped that down really quick. And like now the touch of that sin, even this far <laughs> in the future, like, mm -hmm. ah! <laughs> uh, the bird is dealing with it, but like uh, Metatron ma powerfully pumps its wings and moves forward towards uh, this collection of these three to to help. We once again return to the skyship Uhuru sailing over Sphere. We find ourselves in a unoften used corner of the ship, a, a room within the cargo hold that is cordoned away, covered in caution tape, well labeled for people to keep out. We 
go inside the room where a group of people has uh, taken one of the the light prisms, uh, dusted it off, replaced uh, the prism (laughs) itself, which had cracked, allowing light to fill the room again. Uh, And we can see their faces amongst a sea of hundreds of glassy-eyed porcelain faces. Okay, okay, everyone, everyone, calm down. Calm down, all right? I I don't want to alarm everyone, but when we first got in here, I counted 20 dolls. And now I only see 15. Where where could Uh, they have possibly gone? They're very small. I don't know. I don't know, but we've got to find them before they get to us. All right. These are Travis's old (laughs) uh, dolls that are definitely, definitely haunted, and they are in this room somewhere. Did you uh, lock the room before you, uh, before we we settled down? Is the the door locked to make sure none escape? Yeah. Yeah. I locked it. I closed the door. So. Uh, As right. the team skeptic, I don't believe in the existence of the afterlife, and I'm going to loudly shout at all these dolls to come at me. Come at me, dolls! Gable, come at me! G- Gable, what, what do you think I was doing during the period of time where I was dead? Hmm? You don't you believe were, in the... You were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You, you know we have more pressing concerns. Um... Well, as a as a team's truth seeker, I I I just want to get a reliable eyewitness account of any kind of paranormal activity to to prove the truth. So, Slam, yeah, uh, I don't want to alarm you, but there is a doll in your armpit right now. What? There's a Barry reaches into. <laughs> the... Oh no! <laughs> give me, give me a little doll. And so Barry pulls out and is clearly wrestling with the doll that ha- somehow has seems to have more strength than Barry and is mm-hmm. throwing him around the room. <laughs> give Mama uh, oh. a kiss. Give Mama a kiss. Give Mama a kiss. Barry throws right. that doll down, uh, stomps his foot on uh, on the doll, and uh, uh, points to Gable. Gable, this one's yours. You're strong. This doll is strong. You've got to contain this doll. Someone is throwing their voice in this room, and it's a very good trick. <laughs> Give me that doll. Yeah. Can you at least put it in the, the haunted doll sack that I brought with? I mean, yes, it is one of the burlap sacks that we keep the bird feed in, but I did ward it in advance. <laughs> you know, maybe we can use it as ballast or draw away the cutting stone or something like that. Just just put it in the bag. Gable's also struggling with it, but it's in a very like, oh, this is normal. This is fine. <laughs> like, use the flaming sword if you have to. Just... Just get it in the bag, well, please. Well, please. No, I'm I'm looking at uh, the manifest uh, that Travis left behind uh, the haunted dolls, and I'm noticing uh, there should be uh, 69 haunted dolls. Oh my god! <laughs> in total in the collection. Right. Uh, <laughs> just how much of the room is the the light prism? Uh, lighting and he picks it up <laughs> and we've been getting like a mid lighting shot but the ceiling has been in darkness so far and just by kind of holding it up at standing height uh, almost like discovering a cave of bats hanging from the ceiling <laughs> why did uh, he suspend them all upside down from the ceiling oh my god <laughs> why did he store them like that 
<laughs> and then at uh, at Slam's uh, yelling, the dolls actually do leave the ceiling, and they're now flying around like bats. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Hey! They're my hair. Please stop the game my hair. What a trick of the light is happening right now. Gable! <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not one to raise my voice uh, often, but please take out your flaming sword and slay these haunted doll demons. See, I think it's more important that we get to the root of psychologically why we believe that they are haunted. Gable, they that... are suspending you with your by your hair right now. <laughs> I I think that's what you perceive to be happening. Gable. <laughs> Gable. Well, I think we should get at the truth. Well, Even in so bed, you will never escape us, Gable. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Who's doing that? <laughs> okay. Ouch. Ouch. Ooh, you're stabbing me quite a bit. Ow. Oromar has pulled a pistol and just fully destroys the head of a porcelain doll in one blow, immediately replaced by five more. Um, uh, uh, are we uh, Are we down for giving up? Uh, I'm down for giving up. I mean, Let's... I know we're supposed to be like, uh, I'm supposed to be like the, the nature of, oh, God, stop it. Uh, the nature of... <laughs> Being a leader. Join us in the grave, Lorimar. Join us in the grave. Look. I know I want to be a leader in everything, but this is. I would rather fight the crocodile man. I'd I'd rather face my ex boyfriend than deal with this shit. Can can we can we not? All right, fine. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. They, they've already out. made it clear that they won't come out of the room unless otherwise summoned. So we will continue to cordon this off, uh, this room off. Well, well, I locked it. It's a lock-in. What? What? We're locked in. The door. So we've got, we've got the next eight hours to find the truth. Where where did you put the key? Well, I mean, it's, it's locked from the outside. It's not a key. It's a nail. Sam, how is yeah. this new information to me? <laughs> Just what, what is what is on the other side of the door? Where in the ship is this cordoned off section? Uh, it, uh, I mean, where where are the the back of the cargo holds? So you know, I yeah, I I, I, I pre-drilled some holes and I I sucked the nails through with my powerful lungs <laughs> to seal us in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's classic lock in technique. <laughs> Jane, right. slam, slam, slam. Oh, uh, Bowser, Common, slam, slam, slam. <laughs> Pliff, anyone? God. They're not gonna. They're not gonna come and check in on us for another eight hours, which means we have to offer one of us up to the dolls. Well, uh, everybody, help me set up these wax cylinder recorders so we can get some some. <laughs> WVPs. WVPs? Yes, explain. What is yeah, that? Some, some wax voice phenomenon. Okay. If, you, exactly. if you leave a wax cylinder recording, it sometimes hears things that the human ear cannot, so. <laughs> and at the very least, if somebody is exploring this area later and they pick up one and happen to play it, they'll get some nice environmental storytelling, which I appreciate. Help me go and write uh, uh, an ominous message on this wall. Uh, in a way that no <laughs> sensible human would do. <laughs> yeah, we can we can use the 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 liquid that that came out of that doll that you shot. <laughs> that is just a dark, viscous black liquid. 
Uh, Gable is just covered in dolls right now to become a a, a giant monster mm-hmm. made of dolls to this just lumbering around groaning. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Gable, whoa. how can you be naysaying still right now? Uh, the, the dolls part is just. <laughs> I feel so very strange. It's very chilly in here. <laughs> can you all keep it down? I'm trying to get my rest. That's right, it's me, Bad Will. <laughs> wow. Occasional merchant. Wow. I just kind of hang out in this room sometimes with with all the haunted dolls. Wow, the haunted so dolls. If you have you're buying or selling, I'd be happy to perform some kind of mercantile exchange. Do you happen to have some kind of superhero convenience style haunted doll repellent? Maybe a candle or a nice perfume? Uh, I mean, we do have the repelling herb, but you would need to combine that with several other things scattered about the environment to make a true repellent. Do you have an ink ribbon of some kind that I can uh, use in case I should happen to succumb to the haunted dolls that I can still have a second chance? Mm, That sounds like one of the key items held by parties who have come before you. (laughs) I can't wait to play Resident Evil 9. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one room. It's just... Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler In the universe of Starwall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Allie Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. It was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, 
who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott, or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.